by grace. Let's take our Bibles, if you would, turn to Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We actually began looking at this verse several weeks ago. And uh, I'm going to take at least tonight, we may take one more message on Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I'm going to begin reading in verse 17, though. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Well, I always knew we had, uh, I knew for some time now, we had a former brethren pa- preacher and pastor in our church, as part of our church. Uh, we have a, I knew we had a former Methodist preacher in our church, but I just found out tonight we have a former Lutheran pastor, woman pastor in our church. And uh, so, praise the Lord for what God's doing in the lives of those in the ministry. But... Um, No, I'm just kidding. Ephesians chapter 5, notice verse number 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And verse 18, if you remember, several weeks ago, we brought a message on that first word in verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, and here it is, but be filled with the Spirit. Capital S, speaking about who? The Holy Spirit of God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. And uh, I'm actually going to do a little doctrinal Bible teaching tonight. I think most of us will be familiar with much of this, but uh, hopefully it will help us. Let's pray. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would bless a few moments we have in your word. And I pray, Lord, that uh, your presence would be here in a very real way. That uh, we would have a new uh, life in our Christianity. A new vitality. Uh, that would be real, not just a show or an emotional thing, but the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God filling us and empowering us and using us for the glory of God would be a very real truth in each of our lives and in our church as a whole. Lord, we stand here tonight, I stand here tonight, and I'll be the first to acknowledge, Lord, we can do nothing without your presence, without your Holy Spirit. And I pray you would speak to us. I yield myself anew to you, Lord. Present to you anew tonight my body. ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and that you would speak through me to each of us. And Lord, I pray it would not just be the preacher filled with the Spirit, but it would be each and every individual member filled with the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's important to understand, and I think most of us understand this, But it's very important to understand that Christianity, genuine Christianity, is not merely a list of things that we don't do. I think sometimes the world has the idea uh, that, you know, Christians, particularly those independent Baptists, they just, uh, you know, they just have a list of things they don't do. Uh, Sometimes folks will say, well, I'd like to be a Christian, but, you know, I'm not ready to give up everything. I'll be honest with you, I found that when I got saved, I didn't give anything up. I gained a whole new life, a whole new lease on life. I did a funeral, it wasn't too long after I was here, probably several years. One of the bus children, their mother tragically died and I was asked to do the funeral. And this was probably the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. And um, I was asked to do the funeral and uh, we did the funeral. and went very well, if I remember correctly, there was a number of professions of faith. And uh, it was just, it just went very well. And afterward, I was greeting folks and standing by, the ca- standing by the graveside and folks were coming by and a lady came up and she was crying and she said, that was wonderful. She goes, boy, that was such a wonderful service. She said, tell me, what church are you pastor at? 
And I said, the Mountain Lake Independent Baptist Church on Broadford Road. And you'd have thought she saw a ghost. I mean, her hair turned white, stood on end. Her eyes bugged out. She, uh, this is the truth, she gasped. <gasps> she said, that's that strict church. And uh, I said, well, I don't think we're that strict. I think we'd try and go by the Bible. And she walked off. And she got the impression, for whatever reason, she got the impression that being a Christian or being a committed Christian means you have a whole list of things you don't do. That is not biblical Christianity. Christian, being a Christian, is not simply living a moral life. Now, Christians ought to be moral, amen? And by the way, the Bible does give us some lists of things we should do and lists of things we don't do, all right? Are we on the same page here? Sure, the Bible says that, it's clear. Uh, but just not doing this and doing that and just being moral, that's not what makes a person a Christian. That's where people get this image of a dedicated Christian as somebody that has this huge black Bible, they always dress in black, they have long faces, they're always mad, they walk around not doing stuff. Right? That is not biblical Christianity. Now, on the other hand, neither is throwing off all convictions and all standards and just saying whatever goes. I don't know if you took time, don't now please, but if you took time to read in the bulletin, that church in Indiana that's having a Beatles Christmas program. A church using Beatles music to celebrate the birth of Christ. That's the other extreme. That's not biblical Christianity either. Biblical Christianity is, genuine Christianity, is a person receiving new life, spiritual life, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Biblical Christianity is a person becoming a new creature and the life of Christ being lived through that person. That's genuine biblical Christianity. Not a list of do's and don'ts, not just a creed that we adhere to, but of being born into the family of God, taking on the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him living our life through us. That's Christianity. And I'll tell you this, that's exciting. To think of Christ, God, the Creator, living His life through me. What an exciting way to live. That's biblical Christianity. Now, a key component to biblical Christianity is this, the presence and the filling of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. That is so important. And it is so distorted. And it is so misunderstood. That's why Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, having a proper understanding of what's being taught here, is very, very important. The filling of the Holy Spirit is different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many folks here have ever heard the term, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How many folks have ever heard that? Maybe you've heard a preacher on TV or you're in a revival service, tent meet or something, and they had people come down, they were being baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's another sermon, that's another study, but let me say this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is totally different than being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Being baptized by or with the Holy Spirit, is, is there's two aspects to it, but it's a one-time event. The moment a person trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, they are baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they are baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now let me explain what I mean by that. 
But when the Bible talks about a person being baptized with the Spirit, it simply means the Spirit is taking up residence in their body. That is all the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit moving into my body. The Holy Spirit, the word baptized means to immerse or to place into. It simply is the Holy Spirit coming into my body, indwelling me. That is a one-time event. Now, now say that with me. That is a one-time event. A person does not get baptized by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, over and over and over and over again. It happens one time. Very important to understand that. Brother Mike and I talked to that young lady last evening, and she was asking about receiving the Holy Spirit, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I said, uh, I said, young lady, I said, if you've sincerely trusted Christ as Savior, I said, by all appearances you have, your testimony tells you you have, then you already have the Holy Spirit of God in you. The moment you trusted Christ as Savior, the Spirit of God took up residence in your body. She says, you know, that's what I thought the Bible taught. Isn't that something? And her church was telling her she needed to be baptized with the Spirit over and over again. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is different than the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're baptized with the Holy Spirit, but we are also baptized by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians, or Corinthians tells us. We're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. The moment I am saved, and I can't really explain all this, I don't fully understand it, but uh, 2 Corinthians tells us, the moment that I trust Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit of God baptizes me, places me into the body of Christ. Places me into the family of God. I become part of the body and family of God. And that's an exciting thing. The important thing here is, are you with me? There's a little teaching here, so you're getting a little Bible institute here tonight. Uh, but the important thing is knowing that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time event. One-time event at the moment of salvation. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is different, not just than the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is different than the sealing of the Holy Spirit. To be sealed by the Holy Spirit simply means, and we talked about this earlier in Ephesians, it simply means that the moment I trust Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit of God seals my salvation or secures my salvation or uh, uh, preserves my salvation. And the sealing of the Holy Spirit is a one-time event with continuing results. I can never lose my salvation because the Holy Spirit of God has sealed me. How many people can beans this at the end of the summer? Anybody can any beans this summer? How about can some corn? How about can some meat? Anybody can some deer meat or anything? Anybody go to Walmart and buy canned corn or anything? Yeah, amen, there we go. So now you understand what I'm talking about. When you can that stuff, you heat it up and you put the lid on there. It's all sterile. You put that little lid on there, turn it. Do you turn it on first? Yeah, you turn that thing down on her, and you let it cool, you let it cool, let it cool, until you hear what? Pop! That thing snaps down on there, and brother, it is sealed. Those beans will last uh, through the uh, tribulation period, if you did it right. But they'll last a long time. They're secured, they're preserved. Hey, the sealing of the Holy Spirit of God. The moment we got saved, how many people right now, you can think of the moment you got saved. You can in your mind go back to that moment. How many people can do that? Hey, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit of God sealed you. Secured. I don't know how these people go to sleep at night not knowing whether they're saved or not. I don't know how a person go through life not knowing whether they're going to heaven or hell or not. Can you, that to me is terrifying. 
can you think, think of this, living your whole life, not knowing at any moment whether you're all of a sudden going to be burned alive? I mean, just at any moment. Did you ever hear, did you ever see that in the news, spontaneous combustion? It's a very rare occurrence where people just all of a sudden explode into flames. Anybody ever hear that? Anybody at all know, have any clue what I'm talking about? Half the crowds know, other crowds don't know. Can you imagine going through life not knowing at any moment I could end up in hell just burning? What a way to live. What a terrifying way to live. Hey, if you're saved, you don't have to live that way. We're sealed by the Spirit of God. That's another message and another subject. But that is not the same as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continuous action. Look at your Bibles here now. He says, and be not drunk with wine. We talked about that before, a couple weeks ago. Where in excess but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm like Brother Brian, I am not a Greek scholar. I barely know the Greek alphabet. He probably knows Greek better than I do. But I've got some great Greek, Greek dictionaries. And I had a professor, my first year of Bible college, saved me hundreds of dollars and a lot of work. He said, don't bother taking Greek. There's enough Greek study aids. You don't have to take, learn Greek. You can study what other people learn. Borrow their brains. And so I've been doing that all these years. You know what I found out where it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit? That word be there, it has the idea of be being filled. Follow what I'm saying? Be, it's a continuous action. Be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the filling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time event like the sealing of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is a continuous event, a repetitious event. You read through the book of Acts, you pay attention, and the same people over and over and over and over again were filled with the Holy Spirit. Later on, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Later on, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continuous event. It's something that happens over and over and over a whole lifetime. By the way, uh, how many folks here, you're younger, 16 or younger, and you're saved? Would you raise your hand? If you're 16 years old or younger, uh, I didn't say 96, Ron, uh, 16 years old or younger, raise your hand. Listen, these young people have their hand raised, they're saved. The Holy Spirit of God has baptized them, He has sealed them, and the Holy Spirit of God wants to and will fill every one of them. If they allow, over and over and over again. How many folks here, you're 60 or over, and you're saved? Raise your hand. 60 years old or over. Ron, where's your hand this time? He didn't raise his hand that time. Uh, you can put your hands down. Every person 60 or 90 or 100 years older, if they're saved, needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over again, and all points in between. The filling of the Holy Spirit is for every age. There is no reason in the world a 6th grade boy or girl cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit of God just like a 47-year-old preacher should be. Or a grandma, or a mom, or a secretary, or a businessman, all across the board. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not an ecstatic experience. Talk to some people, they'll say, yes, do uh, you got the Spirit? Oh yeah, I got it. And they'll give this some ecstatic experience. And I'm not trying to mock anybody. Sometimes I get it carried away. But I'm not trying to mock anybody. I'm not trying to be uh, uh, ridicule anyone. But I am saying this. That is not a biblical experience of the Holy Spirit. To have some ecstatic experience. That is not biblical. It's emotional, maybe psychological. But it is not biblical. The Bible teaching of the Holy Spirit 
is uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not an ecstatic experience, but rather it is being controlled and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to live the Christian life. It is the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit of God, empowering me, filling me, controlling me to live a life of holiness, to live a life of victory, a life of humility, a life of compassion, a life of fellowship with other Christians, a life of joy. It is the Holy Spirit of God enabling me to be the person God intends me to be. To live the Christian life God intends me to live. And by the way, we need the Holy Spirit of God to fill each of us as individual members of this church. Now, you know, we don't never want to blow our own horn, but I get so many testimonies of preachers that come by and, and visiting guests and the missionaries we've had recently, and they'll say, boy, you know, the people of the church, Mount Lake Independent Baptist Church, man, there's such a fellowship there, and there's such a oneness there, and there's such a joy there. Now, as soon as we say that, devil's going to come in and try and mess it up. Amen? But you know what that is? I believe, I believe it is the presence and the filling of the Spirit of God in our lives. Listen, if uh, Brother Tom is filled with the Spirit of God, and let's say Brother Jerry is filled with the Spirit of God, and Brother Brian is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and Andy is filled with the Spirit of God, there's no reason in the world those guys wouldn't get along. Won't get in fellowship. If he's controlled by the same Holy Spirit he's controlled, and he's filled, controlled by the same Holy Spirit he's controlled with, then they would be in unity. There would be fellowship there. It's the same Holy Spirit controlling me and controlling Him. And so the Holy Spirit of God, it's not an ecstatic experience when I'm filled, but it's the Spirit of God empowering me, controlling me to live this life. The Spirit-filled Christian life is a thrilling life. The Spirit-filled Christian life is a challenging life, fulfilling life. You know why folks out there in the world are just going to greater extremes and greater extremes and greater extremes trying to find fulfillment? Because their lives are empty. You know why we got churches, quote unquote? I heard this morning, I got word that a church that was a good, strong, fundamental King James Bible preaching church not too long ago now took the name Baptist off, contemporary, rock and roll, all that. You know what happened? They lost the presence of God in their church. They lost the filling of the Holy Spirit and they're reaching out, grabbing for something to find fulfillment, find purpose. That's why these churches are bringing all this garbage in. They've lost the Spirit of God. Rather than humbling themselves, coming back to the Word of God and getting a renewed filling of the Holy Spirit, they're reaching out for all this other stuff. There's no purpose. That's why you have such extreme sports. I saw a thing where people are jumping out of airplanes on bicycles. You know? And why would you do that? You'd ruin a perfectly good bicycle. I'll tell you why they do that. I think, this is Leathermanism here, I think it's just emptiness in their life and they're looking for some greater thrill, something that has to give purpose, meaning, challenge to my life. Tell you what, you get filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it's thrilling. It's a challenging life. It's a joy-filled life. The way to deal with the Christian life is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What's the punctuation at the end of that verse? What is it there? Where's our teachers? It's a semicolon. It's not the end of the sentence. The subject continues on. Look at the next verse. Be not drunk with wine, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves. 
and psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Sounds like joy to me. Look at verse 20. Oh, and look at the end of verse 19. What's the punctuation? Oh, it's not done yet. The subject goes on. Being filled with the Holy Spirit produces singing, speaking to ourselves psalms, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, the Holy Spirit does that in our lives. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the, end, what's the punctuation at the end of verse 20? Still continues on. Uh, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, period. You know what God's telling us here? He's telling us that the successful Christian life, the happy, joy-filled, victorious Christian life is based upon the Christian being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's what it's based upon. And you go on to verse number 22 and he talks about the wives submitting to their husbands, husbands loving their wives, children being obedient to their parents, fathers uh, not provoking their children. He goes on, servants, uh, obey your masters, masters treat your servants like Christians. And all that is based on the fact that Christians are to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You and I cannot live a successful Christian life if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Are you with me? I think this is exciting. Uh, This, to me, is the answer to carnality in the Christian life. Now, we noted before in verse number, that verse number 18 is a continuation of verse 17. And, what's verse 17 say? Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Most important thing in my life, in your life, is determining the will of God and fulfilling it. Most important thing for you and I. If we miss the will of God for our lives, we've failed. We must know God's will and fulfill it. My wife came to me, was it last night? She goes, do you think God will call us into the missions to be missionaries? I said, I believe with all my heart, I'm convinced, unless God shows me differently, I believe with all my heart, I am exactly where God's will for my life is. I said, I don't understand it. I thought I'd end up in the mission field. I've had other preachers, Dr. Holmesher and other ones, say, Brother Lemon, you'll end up in the mission field. I understand it. I thought that would be true, but I'm convinced I'm exactly where God wants me to be. I can take, but I better be careful in this one, But I can take the storms, I believe, if I'm sure I'm in God's will. I can be sure. If I I know this is where God's will is, then this is where God wants me. Praise God. I can take whatever He allows. Now, that is important. Do you agree with me? I know it's a little warm in here, so I hope you're hanging with me. This is so important. As important as being filled with the... As important as knowing and fulfilling the will of God for my life, and that means being filled with the Holy Spirit, is just as important. If I'm not filled with the Spirit of God, I am failing in my Christian life. I believe that strongly. So that would become a priority, that I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then we noted there's a contrast. We talked about the difference, the contrast between drunkenness and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Drunkenness, by the way, drunkenness is sin, amen? We don't have to discuss that, we know that. Um, Drunkenness, if you remember, we said that removes all restrictions of the flesh. When a person gets drunk, the works of the flesh have free reign. Any inhibitions are taken away. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Would you do that real quickly with me? And believe it or not, I'm almost done the message. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 19. Now tell me if I'm not right on this situation. 
Galatians chapter 5, look down at verse number 19. Now, what's our, what's our statement? It's this. Drunkenness removes any inhibitions of the works of the flesh. Drunkenness will remove any... Uh, what's another word for inhibitions? Remove any restrictions on the flesh or reservations. A person gets drunk, they will express the works of the flesh in ways that a person who isn't drunk won't. Right? Now look at the works of the flesh. Tell me if this isn't true. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now think of a drunkard. Adultery. How many people committed adultery because they got drunk? Went to a bar, would have never thought about it. Went to a bar, got drunk, and gave in to the lust of the flesh and committed adultery. Right or wrong? Uh, adultery. Fornication, which is uh, physical intimacy between uh, two adults who are not married, before they're married. Uh, uncleanness. Lasciviousness. The word lasciviousness, you can write in the margin of the Bible, means unbridled lust. Does it sound like drunkards? Sounds like, hey, that sounds like nightclubs in 1978. What are they like now? Ask one of the deacons, they'll tell you. I don't know. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. I've never heard of a, a Wiccan or some type of Satanist who didn't, wasn't involved in liquor in one way or another. No, I don't drink. I'm a Satanist. Nobody ever says that. Right? It goes hand in hand. Uh, witchcraft, hatred, variance, it means strife. Emulations means fierce envy. Wrath, strife, seditions. Where do most fights break out on a Saturday night? The fellowship hall at the church? No. <laughs> hey, listen, and I'm joking here a little bit, but I'm being serious on this. Churches get a bad rap. Say, oh, church, eh, just churches, all they do is fight. No, they don't. They fight a whole lot less than bars. Huh? You get down the bar, that's where the fights are breaking out. Saturday night. So, the drunkenness, and this isn't necessarily my message, but drunkenness takes away all restrictions of the works of the flesh. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, the such alike. Listen, that is all works of the flesh. And it's, scientific, it's, it's medically proven that alcohol affects the portion of the brain that we make our decisions with, that affect our discernment. And so a person gets drunk and the flesh is just unrestricted. And they live their lives just letting the flesh go without any restriction. But when a person's filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the exact opposite. The Holy Spirit of God mortifies the works of the flesh. Galatians tells us. Colossians says it. When I'm filled with the Spirit of God, the works of the flesh don't have free reign. They're restrained. They're brought into bondage. They're, they're uh, crucified, the Bible says. And so there's a contrast between drunkenness and works of the flesh. The filling of the Holy Spirit mortifies the works of the flesh. It's e Here's a question. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. Are you right now filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Don't answer it. In your heart, you don't answer it. Right now, before God, are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? You say, how do I know? How can I tell if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God? I think it's easier, easier to determine if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, is, the, the Spirit of God than it is to tell that you are. 
if there's works of the flesh being manifest in my life, then I know I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit of God restricts that. The Holy Spirit of God controls and, and mortifies the works of the flesh. Um, it's easier to tell if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit than if you are. A lot of folks, a lot of homes, families on Sunday mornings before church, the folks are not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The works of the flesh are very evident in the home. And in fact, driving into church often. But it's amazing when you get out of that car and a preacher's standing at the door and, Hi, preacher, we're wonderful. Are you right now filled with the Holy Spirit of God? I remember the first time, and, I, and I'm confident I was filled with the Spirit of God often before this, but I remember the first time when I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit of God filled me and empowered me. I mean, it was a crystal clear, conscious event that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the first time I became aware of it. It's been many times since. But it was, in, it was in Cedar Ridge, Colorado. It was in, it was in June of 1985. I showed up as a Bible time evangelist, very first rally I ever did. I missed all of Bible time training because I was printing ribbons. I had never done a Bible time rally. I had never seen a Bible time rally. I had no idea what the ribbons, who got what, when, where, why, or how. I'd printed ribbons the whole time. The day before we shipped out, Brother Homeshire said, Brother Leatherman, you're a teen evangelist. So you're going with Brother Dave, and you're flying over to Cedar Ridge. I said, I don't even know what to do. He said, you'll figure it out. So the whole way we're flying over there from Denver. I'm studying everything. We landed in Grand Rapids, not Grand Rapids, um, Grand Junction, and uh, we drove up in the mountains to Cedar Ridge, Colorado. My, my partner said, you're preaching the hell message on Monday night. I was scared to death. I prayed all day long, God, please help me. I got up there, and there's no other way to explain it. And you have to experience it to have any clue what I'm talking about, maybe. But I began preaching, and it was just the Spirit of God took over. And the words flowed. The presence of God was there. I didn't know that message. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just going down the thing. But God was stirring. We gave the invitation. There was probably about 45, 50 teenagers there. We gave the invitation. As soon as I gave the invitation, hands went up to be saved. Gave people to respond. People responded. And that night, there was a number of teens got saved. And, and what became aware to me, and at the time, I was just doing it. And the Spirit of God was working. And one of the youth leaders, the youth pastor, came up to me afterward. He said, man, that was something. He said, man, that was something, man. He says, that was, that was amazing. And it became crystal clear to me. I said, man, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit of God. God did a work. God saved souls and touched hearts and lives. The lady came up afterward, an older lady. She was crying. She said, Brother Dennis, she says, that is the way it used to be around here. This is the way it used to be around here. The filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Are you right now filled with the Holy Spirit of God? That was the first in my life where I became conscious and aware that the Spirit of God was controlling me and working through me and empowering me to accomplish His will in that, and advance the gospel. There was no, by the way, there was no tongues involved. 
It's no visions, no ecstatic experience. It was the gospel being presented in the power of the Holy Spirit. Christian life being lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. The the filling of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts was a clear-cut, conscious experience at times. It was the times where they experienced the power in their lives to overcome the devil and sin, power to declare the gospel with their life, with life-changing results. It was a a clear-cut, conscious experience where the Spirit of God filled them and empowered them to be a witness. Not just the preachers, but you read Acts 6, the deacons were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The deacons' daughters were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Read the book of Acts. The church members were filled with the Spirit of God and declared the Word of God with power. Clear-cut, conscience, the Spirit of God is filling me, empowering me as I declare the Gospel of Christ. It's the Bible. Other times, the Bible presents the filling of the Spirit of God as just a state of being. When they chose out the deacons, they said, choose you out seven men who are filled with the Spirit of God. That's just characteristic of them. That's their state of being. They live their lives filled with the Spirit of God. Filled. In, in Acts chapter, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, that word filled means this, to be taken possession of. What do they say if a person's driving while they're drunk? They're driving under the influence. Under the power, under the control of liquor. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. We are taken possession of by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, here's the final statement. It is a voluntary decision on my part to submit myself to the Holy Spirit in my life. It is a voluntary decision, a submission, a voluntary submission on my part to say, I die to self, I submit myself to God and the personal Holy Spirit to influence me, empower me, and control me. Now, for years I used to use this illustration. I've done this here. I am with this. I used to say, this is what being filled with the Holy Spirit is like. How many fellows here, when you guys, when you travel with your spouse, your wife, you, uh, you do the driving? How many fellows here? How many fellows, when you get out and switch, you're a little nervous? Right Only a couple are brave enough to raise their hands right now. I'm not very good in the passenger seat. I'd rather be driving. I'm just kind of that way. My wife's a fine driver. Uh, she's only hit a few cars over the years, and uh, she's a fine driver. She really is. But I'd rather be behind the wheel. I desire. Can I use a Bible term? You've got to understand Galatians 5. I lust to be behind the wheel. You follow what I'm saying? I desire. I intensely desire to be the one in control of that car. I feel safer. My wife doesn't, but I do. I used to say that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. Galatians says the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh against spirit. They both fuss to be behind the wheel of your life. So I used to say being filled with the Holy Spirit is this, stopping the car, getting out from behind the wheel, going over to the passenger side. The Holy Spirit gets out of the passenger side, he gets behind the wheel, and he drives the car of your life. That's why I used to illustrate it. And I said getting saved was the Holy Spirit getting in the car. Being filled was me getting out of the driver's seat, letting the Holy Spirit in the driver's seat. But you know what I realized? That's not an accurate illustration. That's not the way it is in the Bible. 
when the Holy Spirit fills me, when He empowers me, influences me, controls me, takes possession of me, I don't lose possession. It's not like, you know, I'm praying, oh Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You need to get saved. You know, it's not like I lose all control and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's doing it. No, no, no. At any given time, I can say, oh no, I'm back in control. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is more, I think this is more accurate illustration. I get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in the car with me. But my entire life, I'm the one behind the wheel. When I stand before God, I'm the one going to have to give an account for the decisions made in my life. I'm the one behind the wheel. I'm the one that controls the gas and the brakes. Say, so what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It simply means this. I submit all my decisions to the Spirit of God. I come up to an intersection, the Holy Spirit says, turn right. I, can make, I have a voluntary decision I can make here. I can submit to the influence, control the Holy Spirit and do what He says and turn right. Or I can act in the flesh and say, oh no, I can quench the Spirit and I can say, oh no, I'm turning left. Follow what I'm saying? And as long as I submit, I'm ultimately the one that makes the decision. I'm the ultimately the one that hits the gas and hits the brake. But I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit. I voluntarily submit myself and yield my will to the Spirit of God and He controls my life through my submission to Him. Does that make sense? That's why a Christian at any given time can be filled with the Holy Spirit and one hour later they're as carnal as can be in the flesh. Confess that sin, make it, God, that's wrong, I shouldn't have made And submit the Holy Spirit and fill with the Holy Spirit again. Fill with the Holy Spirit again. Now let me ask you a question. Who's behind the driver's wheel in your life? The answer is you. You. Are you listening? You are. Now, you can live your Christian life the way you think you should. You can turn right when you think you should turn right. You can stop when you think you should stop. And you can go when you think you should go. Or, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can say, Lord, it's no longer I that live. But it's going to be you living through me. You direct me. You show me. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He uses the Word of God to direct us, speak to our hearts, and direct our lives. And here's the amazing thing. As I submit to the Spirit of God, He gives me joy, He gives me victory, and He gives me power to do what God has instructed me to do. Does that make sense? So you're behind the wheel tonight. The Spirit of God's trying to lead in your life. The Spirit of God's trying to mold the image of Christ. The Spirit of God's trying to use you to advance the gospel of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. I can either submit to that, or I can say, oh, no, 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 we're doing this, we're running this show my way. I highly recommend you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father.